Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, the official podcast of Craft Brewed Music, the app that streams better music for serious listeners. Here we explore and get to know the creators of that music. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. We've got singer-songwriter Emily Keener with us on the show this week. Emily's been a craft brewed music artist since the beginning, and uh, we're really excited to explore her music. Uh, we're going to focus on her newest album. It came out a year ago, I Do Not Have to Be Good. Uh, one of the songs from that album, Do You Love Me Lately, is nearing 2 million plays on Spotify. And uh, it's a really interesting album. She had you know, put out a couple albums before becoming a finalist on The Voice. And uh, even after that point, continued to find herself and define herself as an artist and has arrived uh, in somewhat new territory here. Emily Keener uh, was a delight to have on the show. Um, as I may have surmised by listening to her music, she is a very thoughtful and articulate person. Um, her songsmithing uh, features the best of uh, what I like about songwriting. And I think. Good songwriters are like good, um, good authors, uh, and that they know that you need uh, conflict in the plot in order to make it move and to make it exciting for the uh, for the reader. In the case of a writer, uh, and in this case, the kind of tension you need to make a song uh, compelling. And we uh, allude to several of these uh, uh, devices that. Uh, uh, that Emily uses in her songwriting that that creates uh, uh, attention in a very subtle, almost covert way. She does it through decisions about um, about harmony, harmony in the vocal, and harmony in the and uh, the guitar chords she chooses. Um, we talk about it in terms of tension in the um, the lyrics and the the themes that she that she uses in her songwriting. And lastly, we talk a bit about production decisions. And for this new album, she was directly involved in decisions about, uh, about how the album sounded and about how the instrumentation was approached and about uh, even details of, uh, of the gear used. And this was a great conversation, and she was just a delight to talk to. This also marks the first uh, episode that's part of our patron program through Patreon. So uh, if you're somebody who wants more of what we're offering, uh, there's a link in the description of this episode. And uh, with a couple different tiers, one offers you a soundtrack uh, episode that'll be six songs of Emily's, just the music. Um, and there's another tier that has some merch, the soundtrack episode, and another uh, monthly bonus episode, uh, the Craft Brew Music Six Pack, that is a sampler of uh, music from other artists. So, uh, you know, that's an exciting addition to the show as well. And uh, we hope you'll check that out. We're going to set up our conversation with Emily uh, with a cross section of her work. Just for my 
I held an unsteady job at the film developing shop on the corner of Main Street and Thomas. Lorelai would hold her own hand when she would start to get lost Cause she knew nobody was as committed or honest with her heart As she was As she was So Emily, where, where are you right now? So I am actually in a rural area, kind of uh, about an hour outside of Cleveland. Um, I don't know if you know like where Oberlin College is, but it's just like a, kind of in that yeah. area, southwest of southwest of the city. It's beautiful out here. Um, spring is amazing. Like I'm looking out my window right now and the lilac tree is blooming. We just had a kind of a very snowy day yesterday. I was a little worried about some of these blooms, but I don't know. Everything seems to be, seems to be fine now. All of it melted away. So it's just, it's beautiful. I love it out here. And, and this is the, where you are right now is where you grew up. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I was born in Cleveland, lived there and in Cleveland suburbs until I was about eight. Um, and then my family packed up and, and moved out here. I have two siblings, younger brother, younger sister, and um, I don't know, my folks were just looking for a little bit of a quieter life. Um, they really wanted to homeschool the three of us. It was a dream of theirs to do something like that. And to, um, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand pretty well with living in a rural area. There's a lot to there's a lot to learn from the, the land out here. Um, and so it was a pretty, pretty great way to grow up. Does, and do you think that setting that uh, the, the rural upbringing is, is kind of a... Uh... A, a feature or a presence in your songwriting? Yeah, yeah, I would say so, definitely. There was a there was a certain aspect of isolation out here. Um, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessarily like a degenerative uh, isolation. Like I didn't feel that it, you know, wore on me as a person. Um, but it did. I don't know. It, it allowed for a lot of um, kind of introspective. Um, time to myself, even as a, a young kid. And so I just ended up getting getting up to things that I, I don't know that I would have been so fully invested in if I were, you know, actively, you know, in a public school or or maybe around um, you know, kind of the happenings of a of a city or a suburb. I just kind of had a lot of time to fill and um I ended up filling it with music. And it has just led me to a lot of really interesting places in my life. So, you know, I, I think it did have a big impact on, on who I am as a person and a musician. Being outside of uh, an urban setting, 
and being outside of a public school setting, um, how, what was your, uh, what was your access to music? How did you, what was your method of discovering music? So I grew up listening to my dad play guitar and, and sing. He didn't write his own music. Um, and he never really has other than just kind of jamming around on the guitar, but, um, he, would always play a bunch of full country rock songs. Um, and that was like one of our family activities together was just to, to gather and listen to him play. Um, and I just, I always thought it was so cool how he could make those sounds happen with a guitar. Like I, obviously I was too young to understand how any of it worked. So it was like, it was, it was like a form of magic to me. And it was just, it, I was transfixed. I, you know, just would sit there and watch him play. Um, and like, we would sing along with him and he would have like a very eclectic playlist of, of music that would accompany us on our car rides. Um, so that was like a big connective factor in my family. Um, and I think when I was 11 was when I really got interested in, in playing guitar myself. My parents had got me a little pink Daisy rock guitar for Christmas. Nice. And, um, <laughs> awesome. yeah, oh, oh my God, it was so badass. It was probably the most <laughs> rock and roll instrument I will ever own. Um, <laughs> yeah. I hope that still goes on tour. Oh my gosh. I wish I could find, you know, I think I ended up giving it to, um, I, I ended up giving it to a girl who was a little younger than me. I, I probably gave it away when I was 16 and I just felt like she would love it and, you know, love to learn on that guitar. Yeah, so it was yeah. kind of cool to pass it on. That's the proper um, thing to do. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You got to share the love with that. Um, you could still hunt her. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. To totally good. <laughs> totally good. Hey, give me give that me guitar, that. kid. Um, yeah, so it came with a, it came with a little guitar instructional book that just had like the basics for tabs, um, some chords in there, just, um, you know, just one note songs, a lot of those basically. And I just, just sat in front of that book for hours and hours and I taught myself how to play, you know, my dad would show me some things here and there, but he was, you know, busy a lot of the time with work. So um, I just had all this time to myself to really just dive into it. Like I played until my fingers bled. I was so obsessed with it. I got to the point where I was learning, you know, Taylor Swift cover songs. Like I really loved um, Taylor and Carrie Underwood and Miranda Lambert. I was big into like the, the female country music stars back then, back when Taylor was um, more in that country world. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it, it, it was just a, it was just a train at that point, a moving train, like a momentum, um, kept building. And I, I just couldn't stop. Like, I just, I loved to learn and explore. And my, my parents were both really encouraging of what they were hearing. So it just, I don't know, it just happened pretty naturally after that. Well, we've been, you know, spending a lot of time listening, of course, in the last couple of weeks and, and kind of surveying all of it and really enjoying that. And, um, you know, we fa I found it really interesting. You made two albums, then became a finalist on The Voice and then made two more albums. And, uh, you know, I've read I've read where you've said that this latest album came out a year ago is is maybe the most you artistically. And I love that the experience of being on The Voice didn't seduce you into the world of mainstream pop and, and define who you were. Yeah. It sounds to me like if anything, maybe you've, you know, continued to follow your 
artistic path, which of course, you know, is what we're all about at Craft Brew Music. And I'm just curious to kind of hear about that, that arc. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys digging in and, and listening to what I've done thus far. It's always, it's always cool to hear. Um, I, I think, I think my experience on The Voice, um, it definitely, it, it had a pretty big impact on the album that I released right after I was on the show, because I think, you know, I, I would I would be out in LA taping these shows and, and doing the performances, and I was out there for probably, you know, five months um, with, with some breaks in between. And when I would come home, I would be recording uh, my own songs that would come out later that year in November on that album breakfast. Um, mm. And that definitely had like more of the pop influence going on just because of right. what I was doing at the time. Um, but when that was all wrapped up, I definitely, I felt a little bit disillusioned from the sort of stuff that I had been doing. Um, and I really wanted to be more authentic Um I was so young at the time too. There wasn't sure. necessarily as much depth to me as a person at that point. Like, you know, I, I had some stuff going on, but like how much, how, how far can you really go when you're, yeah. when you're 16, 17? Um, yeah. So, and I think, I think it was honestly the, the, the turmoil of that year uh, and the intensity of that, that ended up leading me to to go to deeper places and really become more authentic as a person as well as just giving me like the confidence um to really come into my own as a person like it, being on the show was the scariest thing i had ever done um and you know performing live in front of millions of people it it kind of has this effect of like, oh, if I can do that, I can do anything. Like if I can, yeah. if I can go out here and give my all to a song that I really care about, even if it's not my own um, and, and really make it happen and, and come out on the other side, then yeah, I can, I can perform anywhere. I can record whatever I want, like that, that sort of mentality. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest gift that I got from that experience. So moving forward, I was, I was really able to tap into that and just get, get more confident as time went on. Um, so when it came time to really dig in and, and release this last album, I felt like I was, um, I was giving it, I was giving it my all, you know, really, uh, really kind of honing in on my own artistic vision. So that was, that was a cool transformation to see in myself it took forever and I had to come up against a lot of um perfectionism with that particular release um it took three years to record that <laughs> um but uh I learned I learned so much from it and I'm just I, I am I do feel that it's the the most me thing that I've released and I'm, I'm really proud of it still so it's all worth it I'm curious about the the writing you talked about the show um, having a, you know, pop leaning effect on the breakfast album. It sounds like there's a few of those songs on there, uh, like fire and brimstone, which is one of my favorites of your songs, pretend and Robin that maybe stylistically sonically could have appeared on this latest album. Were those, 
Does that make any sense to you in the timeline of, of the writing of those songs versus the others? Oh, totally. Yeah. I think, I think those songs in particular, um, fire and brimstone is my is my favorite song that i put on that record and i i still play it at shows today just because i feel like um it it was it was one of those songs that really did kind of like sum up my my essence at the time of who i was as a person as a person and, and the music that i wanted to make um so yeah it totally could have been on the most recent album yeah i was just 17 my body held up strong But my heart did not age with me I never knew what was right and wrong mm -hmm. I had a six-string fiddle that would sing my woes Like the hole in the middle of my goddamn type of songwriting that I was doing with with those tracks is um it's 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 pretty close to to my authentic uh or, I don't know it's it's so weird like using the word authentic like whoever whoever I am at any given time is just whoever I am sure, um yeah. but yeah. you know I, I definitely know what you mean there there's definitely a connecting thread between those songs and and what I'm doing now as well yeah the um the the new album is I Do Not Have to Be Good, uh, just came out in, in March. Uh, when I was uh, delving into March your... Of, March of 2020, we should clarify. March of 2020, yes. Yes, yep. It feels, <laughs> it feels like yesterday. Ta this last year, just, well, <laughs> I was having such a good time this last year, it went it by really such, fast. Yeah, just such a fun year and a good year yeah. to release an album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Perfect well, timing. Yeah, well, well timed, Emily. I have to say, really, you know... Latching onto the moment, um, <laughs> and not everyone we has those instincts projects like that that were just you know not, not launched at the right time. Um, as you were saying, as, as I was saying, um, for whatever reason, I don't always do this, but I, I happen to to approach your work in a chronological fashion. So when I when I uh, arrived at uh, I do not have to be good, I was. Uh, I was, uh, I, I really, I really liked, uh, what I was hearing. The, uh, it's, it's, it's a good deal more uh, sparse than your, uh, the, your previous albums. It really showcases yeah. your, your alto in such a nice way. It just makes it sound really big 
in the space that you create for it. Uh, percussion's minimal, and the uh, the accoutrements I think are very uh, tastefully selected, as opposed to like a, a broader instrumental treatment for your for your songs, which had appeared on on previous albums. And and just to jump Thank in, you. I think even the album cover um, has continuity with the with the sound of the album in terms of it looking like your voice sounds in terms of that ethereal quality, at least to my eye, I thought that was cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I love that. It had that effect. I, I, that was definitely the hope and, you know, um, thank you. Like I, all of, all of what you mentioned about the production and the kind of approach of the album was, that was really what I intended it to be, what I hoped it could be. Um, and, I think that's really what took the longest um, with the recording process. I just, I had this, this vision of, of how, how special it could be um, if it were more sparse. And if, yeah, if we dialed back on the, on the percussion, um, if we made these production choices that were maybe a little bit um, off the wall or unexpected, especially like, you know, doing different things with the vocals um because yeah my, my voice actually really did deepen um over the years as i was recording it and i loved it i loved um it, it felt like i was kind of getting to know my own vocal uh textures again um mm. and that was that was really really fun for me to to work with um and it, and it was the first of my projects that i was a producer on so i I co-produced it and um, I had a lot of um, I had a lot of engagement with that decision making of uh, of how to really to execute that vision. So it was just honestly like it was such a labor of love for me and um, it, it kind of it, it sparked a passion for production work as well and then vocal arranging that was one of my favorite parts of the album was creating kind of just like subtle tapestries of of vocals um i had so much fun i spent so many hours um just sitting in front of the console in the studio <laughs> with a microphone going over and over and over with layers of you know um different different harmonies and vocal effects and just playing around with, with what the possibilities were with that so um, I don't know, even just talking about this, I'm excited to do more of this work in the future when it's time to, to release my next one. It, it makes me happy. One of my, uh, one of my favorite tracks on the new album is Mary, I Love Her, which is built around this really lovely uh, two chord minor vamp on the guitar. Uh, but the, the thing that adds this delicious tension into the song is the uh, is the harmonies and particularly the harmony that comes at the very end of the chorus is this very tight interval that's unresolved and i think like the it feels like the whole song is building to that that moment in the song
I was actually thinking about that harmony in particular as I was talking a minute ago. That was I had so much fun with that. Um, I I so for a few of the songs on the album, the basis was actually a live performance. Um, we figured out how to, you know, isolate the acoustic guitar and the vocal from each other pretty well to the point where we still had control over things, but we got the that kind of warmth and energy and movement that you get from a live performance, especially from someone like if you have an artist that is most at home and most used to playing guitar and singing at the same time, you're going to get a guitar performance and a vocal performance that is so different in a good way um, mm -hmm. than when you're separating it and you're constantly playing to a, a click track and you're, you know, you're layering things. It's going to end up having, um, sometimes like a disjointed feel mm -hmm. um and so you know figuring out how to to mic that you know find a mic setup that allowed me to just be in the studio in the moment performing how i would when i was on stage while still getting that that quality um I, that was key and i honestly i think that it um was the difference between um you know the album really meeting my vision versus kind of falling short of it. So, you know, doing that and then, you know, laying, layering harmonies over top of a live performance, like I, that, that felt like much more magical to me personally. So yeah, that that's one of my favorite things about the album. There were some production things in there, even apart from the, the vocal treatments. Um, Aaron and I were talking about the keyboard part in elbow being especially interesting and unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eli Hanley is such a talented keyboard player, um, and and we we performed that one um, mostly live in the studio as well. Um, and he just he just uh, he almost like untethered with that one and just went to a totally different place. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. Um, I couldn't I couldn't hear it super well while we were performing in the studio, like I didn't, I didn't have them loud enough on my monitors or something. And I just remember, I remember the take feeling really good and going back into the control room and listening to what he had done. And I was like, Holy shit, dude, like that, that's crazy. Like, I love that. We, we got to keep it. It was, it was so kind of off the wall and, and different from what I expected uh, from him. Uh, yeah. I, I love, I love that production decision. We, we were really curious um, whether how, how intentionally subversive that was 
uh, on your part after you know after your 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 previous productions were more traditionally instrumented this particular accoutrement seemed to be almost a conscious rebellion against <laughs> against your previous productions yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I, there there was you know throughout recording this there was kind of an attitude of of anything goes like there there were certain things where i was very directive about how, you know, like on Do You Love Me Lately, I was really intentional about having the um, the bass and percussion be really, really simple and mostly focused on the one rather than, you know, turning it into like a shuffly thing. So for example, you know, um, yeah, like <laughs> I remember my bass player was kind of bouncing a little hard on that one. And um, I was just like, you know what, just play on the one that's all like just let's just play on the one this take um nothing fancy make it uh so simple it's almost dumb and mm-hmm. i loved the way it turned out but then with other songs like that part on elbow is kind of just like i gave i gave eli some keywords i was like yeah just make it sound make it sound um kind of tense odd dark like just make it a little wild on its own. And he just went off and and did his thing. And it's so cool. Like finding the balance, like there are certain things that you want to direct and certain things where it's best just like you, you have a really good musician in the room, like just see what they do, you know, like see how, see what character they have to offer from what inspires them. Um, Yeah. That's so cool. That's the cool thing about collaboration. And that song is great because it's 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 like all of your songs. It's 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 a beautiful melody. Um, it's very dark in its uh, chord structure, and it would it could be just like a a very a very lovely tune with a dark edge to it. But instead, with each iteration of the verse and chorus, this keyboard part gets more and more demented with these like washes <laughs> of dissonance. And to me, like like it 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 creates this like 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 something is something bad gonna happen. Kind of, kind of, <laughs> kind of feeling that's like always looming in the background. It's, it's very effective as a, uh, as a, a treatment for the song. My lips are sealed.
going to take a quick intermission for a word from our sponsor, which is us. Craft Brewed Music is a curated streaming service that streams better music for serious listeners. Sometimes we hear that people want to hear more of the songs we play on the podcast. There are a couple of ways to hear more Craft Brewed Music. You can download the app from the App Store or Google Play and get a free trial. Or you can become a patron of the podcast on Patreon, linked in the description of each episode, and get exclusive bonus episodes containing extra music and a sampling of our other artists. We'll help you discover music off the beaten path so that you become the person your friends turn to for recommendations, and we split our income with the artists. Craft Brewed Music, better music for serious listeners. To hear samples and find out more about us, visit craftbrewedmusic.com. I kept having a word come to mind, uh, you know, over and over again as I listened to the record, and that word was searching. You know, I feel like sometimes as we get older, we realize what we don't know, and um, I felt like that's kind of what I was hearing um, on the album was kind of whether it was musical or lyrical or vocal, um, just kind of an exploration and a, and a searching, hmm. and the confidence to do that. You know. Hmm. That's absolutely, yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. Like, it, yeah, it sounds like an intensely personal project. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, that's a, that's a good way to describe that, um, that kind of tone, um, the tone that the album has and also just like my personal life, um, at the time. Um, I think <laughs> it's funny the the sort of intention um and you know like even the name for the album I do not have to be good I didn't land on that as a title choice until the very end of the process like I don't know maybe um a month before we were finished with it um and it kind of it, it came about um it, it was sort of connected to um, the Mary, I love her song mm -hmm. that I based off of a Mary Oliver poem. And the first line of it is you do not have to be good. Um, and the whole, you know, first, uh, first verse of that poem is talking about how you don't have to, you don't have to be sorry for existing. You don't have to be constantly in this repentant state. Um, and, you know, part of the, the struggle of creating that album for me was being so fixated on, on making it perfect. Like it has to be so good. It has to, you know, blow everything else out of the water. Like I have to give the best performance I, that I've ever given. Um, and sometimes, sometimes those thought processes can be motivating um, and they can get you into this space of discipline and, and excellence, but a lot of the time, uh, and I think for many musicians, it gets you in this place of paralysis and mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. just sort of an inability to move forward. You know, it's kind of that cliche of like perfection is the enemy of progress. Um, yeah. And that that was a big theme <laughs> at the time for me to figure out. But every breakthrough that we had ended up being not perfect. Um, like, or not planned or um, not completely thought out from A to Z. And I, that was a lesson that I was constantly teaching myself or being taught by the other people in the process of making it. Um, and it was very freeing. And, and so I kind of 
switched gears a little bit and refocused my mindset instead of on, on perfection, just to be on truth. And, you know, like, even if I don't have that truth in my hand, even if I'm still searching for it, um, there is truth. There is a truth in the present moment of just making beautiful music and having beautiful connections and um, that being enough. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be good. It can just be true, you know? Well, and so it turns into something more powerful. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, uh, the, 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 the lyrics are, uh, are, are beautiful on the, uh, on the album. And I like, um, you have this, uh, ability to, to blend things that seem exceedingly personal. Um, and then blend that in with, with, uh, things that are also easily generalizable and accessible for the listener so that you can get the sense of somebody having a very intimate telling of their, uh, of their personal experience and yet allow the listener to, uh, to, you know, to still access and to kind of project their own, their own experience into, uh, into the music. I think, uh, static does that, that your tune static does that for me when you're clearly talking about something that I, I presume is personal to you and a, a character in your life, this, this, um, this imagery with the the record that uh, gives you the the dreams you don't like, and so you scratched it all to death. And whoever gave you this record is is, is playing it louder because they like the the effect that the scratches put on the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I that's a that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Like what what you said about um, my writing style, I, I appreciate it. It's very meaningful. what I try to do or, or hope to do as a songwriter, um, just to offer up my personal experience 
um, in a vulnerable way, as vulnerable as I need to be to, to be telling the truth about it, um, Mm -hmm. without, without making it necessarily all about me and and getting so specific that it just doesn't even have any bearing on anyone else's life or experience. Um, so yeah, I, I think as I, as I get older, I just, I, I want to stay in touch with that. And cause I, I think that's really the job of a songwriter. Um, when it comes down to it, you're just filtering, um, you're filtering the human experience through your own lens. Um, and you know, if you're doing that in, in a true way, then it's going to resonate with people. Maybe not a lot of people, maybe only a handful, but even if it only resonates with a handful, you're still doing your job and you're still fulfilling that, that purpose. At least that's, that's how I feel about it. And it must be hard to do that and maintain some degree of, of privacy as well. You know, as a, as a listener, when it comes to lyrics, I'm always kind of trying to figure out what's going on in a song. It's kind of like when you see a stranger in the airport, you know, you write your own story for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I'm always listening and, and try to, you know, subconsciously figuring out what's going on. And with your lyrics, it would, you know, I'd feel like I'd be getting close and then there'd be a word or a phrase that would throw me off the scent and, and you know, <laughs> which is really very artistic and probably intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you might be giving me a little bit too much credit. So <laughs> but, <laughs> um, even if it's accidental, if that's the effect that that's good. I, I think um, it, it's interesting. Like I am a pretty, um, a pretty reserved person um, for the most part. I, I'm i blessed to have good, close relationships in my life, but I, I know that I uh, I can come off as sort of uh, quiet and, and removed uh, when you when you first get to know me. So it's always interesting. Like I, I, I just have never really had any qualms about getting up on stage and singing about things that have come from such personal uh, emotional experiences. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Um, but it, it's, it's cathartic. It is to be able to, to write about those things and, um, and feel like you're, you're being seen in them. Um, the conversations that you can have with people after a performance, if they're, you know, really connecting with your lyrics, they can, they can be pretty amazing. They can also devolve into therapy sessions very quickly. So I've had to figure out how to like, <laughs> not necessarily like, I, I don't, I don't always want to go there with everyone. And I think that's okay. Um, sure. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm still figuring that out how to, how to maintain like my, my kind of comfort as a more private person, but also, um, you know, keep being, keeping open and keeping connected to those emotional things. It's, it's a balance like everything. Yeah. yeah. A, a set of lyrics that, uh, that, that really grabbed me as I was listening to the new album are from the first track called nap. And this, uh, this pre-course that goes, Jesus is coming. Hope you ate your spinach. Cause Sally went blind and Judas got stitches. And I would take a nap with you over anything that God could do, which I, I, I am a lover of, uh, adding allusions to scripture in, uh, in, in song verse. Cause I think it, it adds a gravitas and it's really cool when you juxtapose it with something that's 
you know, more profane or, or mundane, like an everyday life yeah. thing. Um, and I, I like the, the, the tension that that creates in, in the lyric. I mean, everyone has their own spiritual sensibilities. Some people are defensive. Some people are, you know, uh, agnostic about the whole thing. But there's something about um, using uh, religious themes that I think adds, uh, add, adds a, uh, a power to, uh, to whatever, whatever personal thing it is you're talking about. I totally agree. I, I love biblical references in, in art and music or and just religious and spiritual references in general. I find them to be so incredibly powerful, um, you know, because so many people um, have a relationship to those themes, whatever it might be, whether it's a defensive one, whether it's an aggressive one, whether it's a very a devotional one. Um, I think it it's it's just it just immediately conjures up so many different images and feelings and experiences for people. Um, I, I grew up in the Christian religion, um, and you know I I wouldn't call myself agnostic or an atheist or really anything in particular. Um, but you know at the times I was writing that song and the album, I was really um, I was really kind of laying down my belief system and and putting putting it back up on the shelf I, I really at that point I, I felt like um, certain aspects of dogmatic organized religion just weren't making me happy in my life um, and mm. I was ready to explore other things and I think anytime you're ready to put something down <laughs> that you've been holding on to for a long time there, there are going to be, it, there's like a grieving process. So it's like the, there's like the, the anger, denial, whatever, whatever the five things of grieving are. Um, <laughs> the, I think they come the, up. The Kubler-Ross <laughs> stages. <laughs> yes, yes. I think those come up. Um, I think those come up pretty strongly when you're letting go of belief systems too. Um, and so I, I just felt this really strong drive to write something that had those kind of like irreverent biblical themes um to it <laughs> and uh I kind of like I look back and I I laugh a little bit now too because I remember being just really angry when I first wrote that song um <laughs> but now like I, I I'm definitely not in that angry place so I just I just chuckle at it like I, I just see it as kind of funny um and and I I personally enjoy that I like not being angry about things anymore yeah and so as a performer can you get is it, is it hard to get back to that place, you know, to inhabit a certain song, whether it's that song or another song, I'd imagine there's a, a something of the role of an actor there, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes I would say there's, there's some acting. Um, I can remember how it felt to be angry about it. I can also call in some other emotions. I think um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not angry at religion anymore, but I I think I still am angry at the people in the world who use religion as a an instrument of power to do horrible things um, or to make excuses for their own behavior. <laughs> um, so it's like it's almost like the anger has has shifted to a more specific place rather than I'm angry at God. I'm angry at Christianity. Like, no, I'm I'm angry at billionaire Christians who don't help out the rest of the world 
because mm -hmm. what what do you actually believe in? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I'm angry at homophobic people who have the power to make live um, make other people's lives difficult and um, do so, <laughs> like mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So I can definitely I'm, I'm I can it. tap in. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just keep going down the rest of the list. Wait, yeah, yeah. I am still angry, everyone. <laughs> no. Oh, but it turns out I am angry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that one um, we're, we're angry at the same things. Aaron yes. I. Yeah. I, well, I, because I, you're decent people. You know what I mean? Like, it, I feel like if you're not angry at those things, then, oh, man. Yeah, this stuff's not hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think if, if you're not angry about it, then you're, probably in denial, which, you know, I get that too. It's, it's hard to be a human. You can't be angry at everything all the time. Tell me about the star man again. Tell me about your morning cigarette. Um, interviews we're picking out our favorite songs and we're doing a spotlight of your album here and, and, and picking the songs as we as we put that spotlight on the album are, are there any um, parts of it or songs or aspects of it that that we've missed that maybe are your favorites or most important to you hmm it's a good question it's hard for it's hard for me to pick specific moments that are the most special to me because I, I feel like the album it, it's a little bit on the shorter side at like 40 minutes um, and all the song, like, I think that's part of why it took so long. I really wanted every part of it to be something that um, I was happy with and, and felt like it was um, an important part of the, of the, of the labyrinth or whatever, like the journey of it. Um, I, I love the way that Do You Love Me Lately turned out, um, that, that song, it, it took the longest to really um, get it to a place where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm happy with it. Cause I, I, for months on end, it ended up getting kind of like, um, 
you know, pushed onto the back burner because every time I heard it, I was just like, oh God, I don't, this just isn't right. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I, I was, I was really, I was proud of the, of the lyrics and I thought it had a ton of potential, but, um, you know, the way, uh, the way the band performance had come across on that one was just off. Um, and so that was the one that, completely stripped apart um i was playing it on an acoustic guitar originally and strumming whereas with the actual version i ended up doing a really sparse electric part Mm -hmm. um that was totally different from what i had written um other than just like the bass chords being the same um and you know that was the one where i was really like okay dan like i just want you hitting toms on this one like don't touch that hi-hat, like, don't, you know, the kick here, uh, focus on the toms, and he just, he nailed it, um, he's a really, really great drummer, um, and then with my bass player, like, okay, bass on the one, that's all, and like, yeah, hit this chord change with me, but other than that, like, stay on that one, and the way it turned out after that recording session completely got it to the place where I wanted it to be, and then it subsequently ended up being like the most successful song on the album. I think it's almost to 2 million plays on Spotify now, mm-hmm. um, which That's I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I, I'm, it's so it's surreal to even say it. It's not something I ever expected to happen with this album or, or that song, but it got put on a, a fairly popular Spotify playlist and it's just, it's been there for almost a year now. They haven't moved it <laughs> off the playlist. So that was, um, wow, that was great. huge. And I think l- looking back to that moment of the recording process, like that, that's definitely something I, I, I smile about and I'm, I'm proud of, of what we made together. She wore a t-shirt inside out. I must have worn her down. Cause we danced in a kitchen to all the blue and she let me stick around. And she let me stick around sounds like a production achievement as well yeah i have to say um i i did i did co-produce the album with dalton brand and um his his engineering he engineered it as well um his engineering and, and production was really symbiotic with with my whole thought process on the album and, and i think i think we worked really well together to make it happen so well it's a a beautiful album and and um and I think a, a really cool uh, piece of the, you know, your your 
artistic puzzle. And uh, it's been really uh, fun talking about it with you. So thanks for your time. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh, such detailed, thoughtful questions about it. It's uh, I haven't gotten to nerd out about this album like this before. So that that's that's been very enjoyable for me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Craft Brood Music, both the podcast and the streaming service, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Secondly, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brood Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbroodmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.